Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. It's not a news story, but I think it's worth telling one last time. The year was 1998. I'd been promoting the movie Beloved in a live television interview with the late, great Chicago Sun-Times film critic Gene Siskel. And everything was going perfectly smoothly until the time came to wrap things up. Tell me, Gene asked, what do you know for sure? Now, this was not my first rodeo. I've asked and been asked an awful lot of questions over the years, and it isn't often that I find myself at a complete loss for words. But I have to say, the man managed to stop me in my tracks. Uh, About the movie, I stammered, knowing full well that he was after something bigger, deeper, more complex, but trying to stall until I could come up with a semi-coherent response. No, he said, you know what I mean. About you, your life, anything, everything. Uh, I know for sure. I know for sure. Uh, I need time to think about that some more, Gene. Well, 16 years and a great deal of thought later, it has become the central question of my life. At the end of the day, what exactly do I know for sure? I've explored that question in every issue of O Magazine. In fact, what I know for sure is the name of my monthly column. Thank you, Gene Siskel. And believe me, there are still plenty of times when an answer does not come easy. What do I know for sure? I know that if one more editor calls or emails or even sends a smoke signal asking, where is this month's installment, I want to change my name and move to Timbuktu. Just when I'm ready to raise the white flag and yell, that's it, I am tapped out, I don't know anything for sure, I'll find myself walking the dogs or brewing a pot of chai or soaking in the tub. And out of nowhere, a little moment of crystal clarity will bring me back to something that in my head and heart and my gut, I absolutely do know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Still, 
I have to admit that I was a bit apprehensive when it came to rereading 14 years' worth of columns. Would it be like looking back at old photos of yourself in haircuts and outfits that really ought to be left in the seam like a good idea at the time file? I mean, what do you do if what you knew for sure back in the day turns into what were you thinking here in the present? Well, I took a red pen, a glass of Sauvignon Blanc, a deep breath, sat down, and started to read. And as I read, what I was doing and where I was in my life when I wrote these pieces came flooding back. I instantly remembered racking my brain and searching my soul, sitting up late and waking up early, all to figure out what I've come to understand about the things that matter in life. Things like joy, resilience, awe, connection, gratitude, and possibility. One of my favorite words. I'm happy to report that what I discovered in those 14 years of columns is that when you know something, when you really know something, it tends to stand the test of time, for sure. Don't get me wrong. You live, and if you're open to the world, you learn. So while my core thinking remains pretty solid, I did wind up using that red pen to do some nipping and tucking to explore and expand a few old truths and some hard-earned insights. As you hear about all the lessons I've struggled with, cried over, run from, circled back to, made peace with, laughed about, and at long last come to know for sure, my hope is that you will begin to ask yourself, the very same question Gene Siskel asked me all those years ago. I know that what you'll find along the way will be fantastic, because what you'll find will be yourself. The first time Tina Turner appeared on my show, I wanted to run away with her, be a backup girl, and dance all night long at her concerts. Well, that dream came true one night in Los Angeles when the Oprah Winfrey Show went on tour with Miss Tina herself. After a full day's rehearsal for just one song, I got my chance. It was the most nerve-wracking, knee-shaking, exhilarating experience ever. For five minutes and 27 seconds, I got a chance to feel what it's like to rock out on stage. I've never been more out of my element, out of my body. I remember counting the steps in my head, trying to keep the rhythm, waiting for the big kick, and being so self-conscious. Then, in an instant, it dawned on me. Okay, girl, this is going to be over soon. And if I didn't loosen up, I would miss the fun. So I threw my head back. I forgot about step, step, turn, kick, and just danced. Whoo! Several months later, I received a package from my friend and mentor, Maya Angelou. She'd said she was sending me a gift she'd want any daughter of hers to have. When I ripped it open, I found a CD of a song by Leanne Womack that I can still hardly listen to without boo-hooing. The song, which is a testament to Maya's life, has this line as its refrain. When you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. What I know for sure is that every day 
brings a chance for you to draw in a breath, kick off your shoes, and step out and dance. To live free of regret and filled with as much joy, fun, and laughter as you can stand. You can either waltz boldly onto the stage of life and live the way you know your spirit is nudging you to, or you can sit quietly by the wall, receding into the shadows of fear and self-doubt. You have the choice, this very moment, the only moment you have for certain. I hope you aren't so wrapped up in non-essential stuff that you forget to really enjoy yourself, because this moment is about to be over. I hope you'll look back and remember today as the day you decided to make everyone count, to relish each hour as if there would never be another. And when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. I take my pleasures seriously. I work hard and play well. I believe in the yin and yang of life. It doesn't take a lot to make me happy because I find satisfaction in so much of what I do. Some satisfactions are higher rated than others, of course. And because I try to practice what I preach, living in the moment, I am consciously attuned most of the time to how much pleasure I'm receiving. How many times have I laughed so hard on the phone with my best friend, Gail King, that my head started to hurt? Mid-howl, I sometimes think, isn't this a gift? After so many years of nightly phone calls, to have someone who tells me the truth and to laugh this loudly about it? I call that five-star pleasure. Being aware of and creating four- and five-star experiences makes you blessed, For me, just waking up clothed in my right mind, as the old folks used to say, being able to put my feet on the floor, walk to the bathroom, and do what needs to be done there is five stars. I've heard many stories of people who aren't healthy enough to do that. A strong cup of coffee with the perfect hazelnut creamer, four stars. Going for a walk through the woods with the dogs unleashed, five stars. Working out, one star. Still, sitting under my oaks, reading the Sunday papers, four stars, a great book, five, hanging out at Quincy Jones' kitchen table talking about everything and nothing, five stars, being able to do good things for other people, five plus. The enjoyment comes from knowing the receiver understands the spirit of the gift. I make an effort to do something good for somebody every day whether I know that person or not. What I know for sure is that pleasure is energy, reciprocated. What you put out comes back. Your base level of pleasure is determined by how you view your whole life. More important than 2020 eyesight is your internal vision, your own sweet spirit whispering through your life with guidance and grace. Now that's pleasure. Life is full of delightful treasures if we take a moment to appreciate them. I call them, ah, moments. And I've learned how to create them for myself. Case in point, my 4 p.m. cup of masala chai tea, spicy hot with foamed almond milk on top. It's 
refreshing, and gives me a little lift for the rest of the afternoon. Moments like this are powerful, I know for sure. They can be your recharge, your breathing space, your chance to reconnect with you. I've always adored the word delicious. The way it rolls off my tongue just delights me. And even more delectable than a delicious meal is a delicious experience, rich and layered like a fine coconut cake. I had one a few birthdays ago, both the cake and the experience. It was one of those moments I call a God wink, when out of the blue, everything lines up just perfectly. I was hanging out with a group of girlfriends in Maui. I'd just come back from India and wanted to have a spa retreat at my house to celebrate turning 58. As girlfriends do, even at this age, we sat around the table and talked till midnight. On the night before my birthday, five of the eight of us were still at the table at 12.30 in the morning, worn out from a five-hour conversation that had run the gamut from men to microdermabrasion. Lots of laughing, even some tears. The kind of talking women do when we feel safe. In two days, I was scheduled to interview the famed spiritual teacher Ram Das, And by coincidence, I started to hum a line from a song invoking his name. Suddenly, my friend Maria said, What's that you're humming? Oh, just a line from a song I like. She said, I know that song. I listen to it every night. No way, I said. It's an obscure song on an album by a woman named Sanatam Kaur. Yes, 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 Maria said. Yes, Sanatam Kaur. I listen to her every night before I go to bed. How do you know her music? Peggy, that's another friend who was with us, gave me a CD two years ago, and I've been listening ever since, I said. I play her every day before meditating. Now we were both screaming and laughing. No way! I actually thought of having her come to sing for my birthday, I said, when I caught my breath. Then I said, nah, too much trouble. Had I known you liked her too, I would have made the effort. Later that night, lying in bed, I thought, isn't that something? I would have gone to the trouble for a friend, Maria, but not for myself. For sure, I need to practice what I preach and value myself more. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem 
of a detour. I went to sleep wishing that I had invited Sanadam Kaur to sing for my birthday. The next day, my birthday, we had a land blessing with a Hawaiian chieftain. That evening, we gathered on the porch for sunset cocktails. My friend Elizabeth stood up to read a poem, I thought, or make a speech. Instead, she said, you wanted it, and now you have manifested it. She rang a small chime, and suddenly, music started to play. The music was muffled, as if the speakers weren't really working. I thought, what's going on? And then there appeared, walking onto my front porch, Sanatam Kaur, in her white turban, and her musicians. How did this happen? I cried, and cried, and cried. Maria, sitting next to me, with tears in her eyes, held my hand and just nodded. You wouldn't do it for yourself, so we did it for you. After I'd gone to bed the night before, my friends had called to find out where Sanatam Kaur was in the world to see if they could get her to Maui in the next 12 hours. As life and God would have it, she and her musicians were in a town 30 minutes away preparing for a concert there and were honored, they said, to come and sing. It was one of the most amazing surprises of my life, I tell you. Layered with meanings, I'm still deciphering. What I know for sure, it is a moment I will savor forever. The fact that it happened, the way that it happened, that it happened on my birthday. All so delicious. When was the last time you laughed with a friend till your sides hurt or dropped the kids off with a sitter and went away for an entire weekend? More to the point, if your life ended tomorrow, what would you regret not doing? If this were the last day of your life, would you spend it the way you're spending today? I once passed a billboard that caught my attention. It read, he who dies with the most toys is still dead. Anyone who's ever come close to death can tell you that at the end of your life, you probably won't be reminiscing about how many all-nighters you pulled at the office or how much your mutual fund is worth. The thoughts that linger are the if-only questions, like, who could I have become if I had finally done the things I always wanted to do? The gift of deciding to face your mortality without turning away or flinching is the gift of recognizing that because you will die, you must live now. Whether you flounder or flourish is always in your hands. You are the single biggest influence in your life. Your journey begins with a choice to get up, step out, and live fully. Is there anything I love more than a good meal? Not much. One of my best took place on a trip to Rome at a delightful little restaurant filled exclusively with Italians except for our table. My friends, Reggie, Andre, Gail, Gail's daughter Kirby, me, eating as the Romans do. 
There was a moment when the waiters, prompted by our Italian host, Angelo, brought out so many delicious antipasti that I actually felt my heart surge like an engine switching gears. We had zucchini stuffed with prosciutto and fresh ripe tomatoes layered with melting mozzarella, so warm you could see teeny tiny little cheese bubbles along with a bottle of 85 Sassacaya, a Tuscan red wine that had been breathing for about half an hour, to sip and savor like liquid velvet. Oh my, these were moments to treasure. Did I mention I topped all this off with a bowl of pasta, fagioli, made to perfection, and a little tiramisu? Yep, that was some good eating. I paid for it with a 90-minute jog around the Colosseum the next day but it was worth every delectable bite. I have a lot of strong beliefs. The value of eating well is one of them. I know for sure that a meal that brings you real joy will do you more good in the long and short term than a lot of filler food that leaves you standing in your kitchen, roaming from cabinet to fridge. I call that the grazing feeling. You want something, but you can't figure out what it is, And all the carrots, celery, skinless chicken in the world cannot give you the satisfaction of one incredible piece of chocolate, if that's what you really crave. So I've learned to eat one piece of chocolate, maximum two, and dare myself to stop and relish it, knowing full well, like Scarlett O'Hara, that tomorrow is another day. And there's always more where that came from. I don't have to consume the whole thing just because it's there. What a concept. It's been more than two decades since I first met Bob Green at a gym in Telluride, Colorado. I weighed 237 pounds at the time, my highest weight ever. I was at the end of my rope and the end of hope, so ashamed of my body and my eating habits. I could barely look Bob in the eye. I desperately wanted a solution that worked. Bob put me through my workout paces and encouraged a lifestyle built around eating whole foods long before I'd ever heard of the store that shares that name and mission. I resisted. But even as different diets came and went, his advice remained consistent and wise. Eat foods that make you thrive. A few years ago, I finally got the big aha and started growing my own vegetables. And what began with a few rows of lettuce, some tomatoes, and basil, my favorite herb, in my backyard in Santa Barbara, eventually became a genuine farm in Maui. My gardening interest grew into a passion. I get ridiculously happy at the sight of the purple radicchio we've grown, the elephant gale that reaches my knees, The radishes so big, I call them baboon butts, because for me, it all represents a full circle moment. In rural Mississippi, where I was born, a garden meant survival. In Nashville, where I later lived, my father always cleared a patch by the side of our house, where he would grow collard greens, tomatoes, crowded peas, and butter beans. Today, that's my favorite meal. Add some cornbread, and I'm clicking my heels. But when I was a girl... I saw no value in eating freshly grown foods. Why can't we have store-bought food like other people, I would complain. I wanted my vegetables to come from the valley of the jolly ho-ho-ho green giant. 
having to eat from the garden made me feel poor. I now know for sure how blessed I was to have access to fresh food, something not every family today can take for granted. Thank you, Lord, for growth. I've worked hard to sow the seeds for a life in which I get to keep expanding my dreams. One of those dreams is for everyone to be able to eat fresh food that goes from farm to table because better food is the foundation for a better life. Yes, Bob, I'm putting it in print. You were right all along. I met Gail King in 1976 when I was a news anchor at a station in Baltimore, and she was a production assistant, both of us from circles that rarely interacted and certainly were not friendly. From the day we met, Gail made it known how proud she was that I had the exalted position of anchorwoman and how excited she was to be part of a team I was on. It has been that way ever since. We didn't become friends right away. We were just two women, respectful and supportive of each other's path. Then one night, after a big snowstorm, Gail couldn't get home. So I invited her to stay at my place. Her biggest concern? Underwear. She was determined to drive 40 miles through a snowstorm to get to Chevy Chase, Maryland, where she lived with her mom in order to have clean panties. I have lots of clean underwear, I told her. You can use mine, or we can go buy you some. Once I finally convinced her to come home with me, we stayed up the whole night talking, and with the exception of a few times during vacations spent out of the country, Gail and I have talked every day since. We laugh a lot, mostly about ourselves. She has helped me through demotions, near firings, sexual harassment, and the twisted and messed up relationships of my 20s when I couldn't tell the difference between myself and a doormat. Night after night, Gail listened to the latest woeful tale of how I'd been stood up or lied to, done wrong. She'd always ask for details. We call it book, chapter, and verse. Then, seem as engaged as if it were happening to her. She never judged me. Yet, when I'd let some man use me, she'd often say, He's just chipping away at your spirit. One day I hope he chips deep enough for you to see who you really are. Someone who deserves to be happy. In all my triumphs, in every good and great thing that has ever happened to me, Gail has been my boldest cheerleader. Of course, no matter how much money I make, she still worries that I'm spending too much. Remember MC Hammer, she chides, as though I'm one purchase away from following in the footsteps of the rapper who went bankrupt. And in all our years together, I've never sensed even a split second of jealousy from her. She loves her life. She loves her family. She loves discount shopping enough to schlep across town for a sale on Tide. Only once has she admitted to wanting to trade places with me, the night I sang on stage with Tina Turner. She, who cannot carry a tune in a church view, may I say, fantasizes about being a singer. Gail is the nicest person I know, genuinely interested in everybody's story. She's the kind of person who will ask a cab driver in New York City if he has any kids, what are their names, she'll say. When I'm down, she shares my pain. When I'm up, you can believe she's somewhere in the background cheering louder and smiling broader than anyone else. Sometimes, I feel like Gail is the better part of myself, the part that says, no matter what, I'm here for you. What I know for sure 
is that Gail is a friend I can count on. She has taught me the joy of having and being a true friend. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Getting three new pups at the same time was not the smartest decision I ever made. I acted on impulse, charmed by their cute little faces, intoxicated by that sweet puppy breath, and the underbite on puppy number three, Layla. Then I spent weeks getting up at all hours of the night with them. I picked up pounds of poop and spent hours puppy training so they would have good manners. It was a lot of work. I was sleep-deprived and constantly frazzled from trying to keep three at a time from destroying all my worldly goods. Whew, did I gain a big new respect for mothers of real babies. All this puppy love was starting to get on my nerves, so I had to make a paradigm shift. One day, while walking them, I stood and watched them frolic. And I do mean frolic. Rolling, tumbling, chasing, laughing. Yes, dogs do laugh. And leaping like bunnies. They were having so much fun, and seeing them that way made my whole body sigh, relax, and smile. New life. Discovering a field of grass for the first time. What a wonder. We all get the opportunity to feel wonder every day, but we've been lulled into numbness. Have you ever driven home from work, opened your front door, and asked yourself how you got there? I know for sure that I don't want to live a shut-down life, desensitized to feeling and seeing. I want every day to be a fresh start on expanding what is possible, on experiencing joy on every level. I love building a fire in the fireplace. What a sense of accomplishment it is to stack the wood exactly right, pyramid style, and have the flames shoot up without using a starter log. I don't know why that's so rewarding for me, but it is. As a young girl, I dreamed of being a Girl Scout, but could never afford the uniform. A fire is even better when it's pouring rain outside, and it's absolutely the best when I've finished my work, checked my emails, unplugged, and am ready to read. Everything I do all day, I do in preparation for my reading time. Give me a great novel or a memoir, some tea and a cozy spot to curl up in, and I'm in heaven. I love to live in another person's thoughts. I marvel at the bonds I feel with people who come alive on the page, regardless of how different their circumstances might be from mine. I not only feel I know these people, but I also recognize more of myself, insight, information, knowledge, inspiration, power. All that and more can come through a good book. 
I can't imagine where I'd be or who I'd be without the essential tool of reading. I for sure would not have gotten my first job in radio at the age of 16. I was touring the radio station, WVOL in Nashville, when the DJ asked, Do you want to hear how your voice sounds on tape, young lady? And handed me a piece of news copy and a microphone. You ought to hear this girl, he exclaimed to his boss. There began my broadcasting career. Shortly thereafter, the station hired me to read the news on the air. After years of reciting poetry to whomever would listen and reading everything I could get my hands on, someone was going to pay me to do what I loved. Read out loud. Books for me used to be a way to escape. I now consider reading a good book a sacred indulgence, a chance to be any place I choose. It is my absolute favorite way to spend time. What I know for sure is that reading opens you up. It exposes you and gives you access to anything your mind can hold. What I love most about reading, it gives you the ability to reach higher ground and keep climbing. My primary and most essential goal in life is to remain connected to the world of spirit. Everything else will take care of itself. This I know for sure. And my number one spiritual practice is trying to live in the present moment, to resist projecting into the future or lamenting past mistakes, to feel the real power of now. That, my friends, is the secret to a joyful life. If everybody remembered to live this way, as children do when they first arrive on this planet, it's what we hardened souls call innocence, we'd transform the world, playing, laughing, feeling joy. My favorite Bible verse, which I have loved since I was an eight-year-old girl, is Psalms 37.4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This has been my mantra through all my experience. Delight in the Lord, in goodness, kindness, compassion, love, and see what happens. I dare you. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all have our own journey. Mine began one April afternoon in 1953 in rural Mississippi, where I was conceived out of wedlock by Vernon Winfrey and Vernita Lee. Their one-time union that day, not at all a romance, brought about an unwanted pregnancy, and my mother concealed her condition until the day I was born. So no one was prepared for my arrival. There were no baby showers, none of the anticipation or delight that I see in the faces of expectant friends who rubbed their swollen stomachs with reverence. My birth was marked by regret, hiding, and shame. When the author and counselor John Bradshaw, who pioneered the concept of the inner child, appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show in 1991, he took my audience and me through a profound exercise. He asked us to close our eyes and go back to the home we grew up in 
to visualize the house itself. Come closer, he said. Look in the window and find yourself inside. What do you see? And more important, what do you feel? For me, it was an overwhelmingly sad yet powerful exercise. What I felt at almost every stage of my development was lonely. Not alone because there were always people around, but I knew that my soul's survival depended on me. I felt I would have to fend for myself. As a girl, I used to love when company would come to my grandmother's house after church. When they left, I dreaded being alone with my grandfather, who was senile, and my grandmother, who was often exhausted and impatient. I was the only child for miles around, so I had to learn to be with myself. I invented new ways to be solitary. I had books and homemade dolls and chores and farm animals I often named and talked to. I'm sure that all that time alone was critical in defining the adult I would become. Looking back through John Bradshaw's window into my life, I was sad that the people closest to me didn't seem to realize what a sweet-spirited little girl I was. But I also felt strengthened seeing it for myself. Like me, you might have experienced things that caused you to deem yourself unworthy. I know for sure that healing the wounds of the past is one of the biggest and most worthwhile challenges of life. It's important to know when and how you were programmed so you can change the program. And doing so is your responsibility, no one else's. There is one irrefutable law of the universe. We are each responsible for our own life. If you're holding anyone else accountable for your happiness, you are wasting your time. You must be fearless enough to give yourself the love you did not receive. Begin noticing how every day brings a new opportunity for your growth, how buried disagreements with your mother show up in arguments with your spouse, how unconscious feelings of unworthiness appear in everything you do and don't do. All these experiences are your life's way of urging you to leave the past behind and make yourself whole. Pay attention. Every choice gives you a chance to pave your own road. Keep moving. Full speed ahead. Every challenge we take on has the power to knock us to our knees. But what's even more disconcerting than the jolt itself is our fear that we won't withstand it. When we feel the ground beneath us shifting, we panic. We forget everything we know and allow fear to freeze us. Just the thought of what could happen is enough to throw us off balance. What I know for sure is that the only way to endure the quake is to adjust your stance. You can't avoid the daily tremors. They come with being alive. But I believe these experiences are gifts that force us to step to the right or left in search of a new center of gravity. Don't fight them. Let them help you adjust your footing. Balance lives in the present. 
When you feel the earth moving, bring yourself back to the now. You'll handle whatever shakeup the next moment brings when you get to it. In this moment, you're still breathing. In this moment, you've survived. In this moment, you're finding a way to step onto higher ground. For years, I had a secret that almost no one knew. Even Gail, who knew everything about me, wasn't aware of it until several years into our friendship. The same is true for Stedman. I hid it until I felt safe enough to share. The years I was sexually abused from age 10 to 14, my resulting promiscuity, and finally, at 14, my becoming pregnant. I was so ashamed, I hid the pregnancy until my doctor noticed my swollen ankles and belly. I gave birth in 1968. The baby died in the hospital weeks later. I went back to school and told no one. My fear was that if I were found out, I would be expelled. So I carried the secret into my future, always afraid that if anyone discovered what had happened, they too would expel me from their lives. Even when I found the courage to publicly reveal the abuse, I still carried the shame and kept the pregnancy a secret. When a family member, who has since died, leaked this story to the tabloids, everything changed. I felt devastated, wounded, betrayed. How could this person do this to me? I cried and cried. I remember Stedman coming into the bedroom that Sunday afternoon, the room darkened from the closed curtains, standing before me, looking like he too had shed tears. He said, I'm so sorry. You don't deserve this. When I dragged myself from bed for work that Monday morning after the news broke, I felt beaten and scared. I imagined that every person on the street was going to point their finger at me and scream, Pregnant! At 14, you wicked girl, expelled! No one said a word. Not strangers. Not the people I knew. I was shocked. Nobody treated me differently. For decades, I'd been expecting a reaction that never came. I've since been betrayed by others, but although it's a kick in the gut, it doesn't make me cry or take to my bed anymore. I try never to forget the words of Isaiah 54:17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every difficult moment has its silver lining, and I soon realized that having the secret out was liberating. Only then could I begin repairing the damage done to my spirit as a young girl. I realized that all those years, I'd been blaming myself. What I learned for sure was that holding the shame was the greatest burden of all. When you have nothing to be ashamed of, when you know who you are and what you stand for, you stand in wisdom. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Whenever I'm faced with a difficult decision, I ask myself, what would I do if I weren't afraid of making a mistake, feeling rejected, looking foolish, or being alone? I know for sure that when you remove the fear, the answer you've been searching for comes into focus. And as you walk into what you fear, you should know for sure that your deepest struggle can, if you're willing and open, produce your greatest strength. Have you ever come across an old picture and been instantly transported back in time to the point where you can feel the clothes you were wearing? There's a photo of me at 21 years old that gives me exactly this feeling. The skirt I was wearing cost $40, more than I'd ever spent on a single item of clothing, but I was willing to do it for my first major celebrity interview, Jesse Jackson. He was speaking at a local high school, telling students, down with dope, up with hope, and I'd been assigned to cover him. My news director didn't think the event was worth our time, but I'd insisted. Okay, I pleaded assuring him I could come back with a piece worthy of the 6 o'clock news. And I did. I had a fondness for telling other people's stories, extracting the truth of their experience, and distilling it into wisdom that could inform, inspire, or benefit someone else. Still, I was uncertain about what to say to Jesse Jackson or how to say it. If I knew then what I know now, I would never have wasted even a single minute doubting my path. Because when it comes to matters of the heart, emotion, connection, and speaking in front of large audiences, I thrive. Something happens between me and whomever I'm engaged with. I can feel them and sense that they are vibing right back with me. That's because I know for sure that anything I've been through or felt, they have too, and probably more so. The great connection I feel with everybody I speak to stems from being aware that we are all on the same path, all of us wanting the same things, love, joy, acknowledgement. No matter what challenge you may be facing, you must remember that while the canvas of your life is painted with daily experiences, behaviors, reactions, and emotions, you are the one controlling the brush. If I'd known this at 21, I could have saved myself a lot of heartache and self-doubt. It would have been a revelation to understand that we are all the artists of our own lives and that we can use as many colors and brushstrokes as we like. I've always prided myself on my independence, my integrity, my support of others. But there is a thin line between pride and ego. And I've learned that sometimes you have to step out of your ego to recognize the truth. So when life gets difficult, I've found that the best thing to do is ask myself a simple question. What is this here to teach me? I remember back in 1988 when I first took ownership of The Oprah Show. I had to buy a studio and hire all the producers. There were a million things I didn't know. I made a lot of mistakes during those early years, including one so big we had to have a priest come in to cleanse the studio afterward. Fortunately for me, I wasn't so well-known back then. I could learn a lesson and grow from it privately. Today, part of the price of success is 
that my lessons are public. If I stumble, people know. And some days, the pressure of that reality makes me want to scream. But one thing I know for sure, I am not a screamer. I can count on one hand the number of times in my life. That would be four when I've actually raised my voice at someone. So when I feel overwhelmed, I usually go to a quiet place. A bathroom stall works wonders. I close my eyes, turn inward, and breathe until I can sense the still, small space inside me that is the same as the still, small space inside you and in the trees and in all things. I breathe until I can fill the space, expand, and fill me up. And I always end up doing the exact opposite of screaming. I smile at the wonder of it all. I mean, how amazing is it that I, a woman born and raised in Mississippi, when it was an apartheid state, who grew up having to go into town even to watch television, we certainly didn't have one at home, am where I am today. Wherever you are in your journey, I hope you too will keep encountering challenges. It's a blessing to be able to survive them, to be able to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to be in a position to make the climb up life's mountain, knowing that the summit still lies ahead. And every experience is a valuable teacher. We all have stand-down moments that require us to stand up in the center of ourselves and know who we are. When your marriage falls apart, when a job that defined you is gone, when the people you'd counted on turn their backs on you, there's no question that changing the way you think about your situation is the key to improving it. I know for sure that all of our hurdles have meaning, and being open to learning from those challenges is the difference between succeeding and getting stuck. As I get older, I can feel my body making a shift. No matter how I try, I cannot run as fast as I could before. But to tell you the truth, I don't really care to. Everything's shifting, breasts and knees and attitude. I marvel at my own sense of calm now. Events that used to leave me reeling with my head in a bag of chips no longer even phase me. Even better, I'm privy to insights about myself that only a lifetime of learning can bring. I've said that I always knew I was exactly where I was meant to be when I was standing on the stage talking to viewers around the world with the Oprah show. That was truly my sweet spot. But the universe is full of surprises because I'm learning that where sweet spots are concerned, we're not limited to just one. At different times in our journeys, if we're paying attention, we get to sing the song we're meant to sing in the perfect key of life. Everything we've ever done and all we're meant to do comes together in harmony with who we are. When that happens, we feel the truest expression of ourselves. I feel myself heading there now, and it is my wish for you, too, 
One of my greatest lessons has been to fully understand that what looks like a dark patch in the quest for success is the universe pointing you in a new direction. Anything can be a miracle, a blessing, an opportunity, if you choose to see it that way. Had I not been demoted from my 6 o'clock anchor post in Baltimore back in 1977, the talk show gig would never have happened when it did. When you can see obstacles for what they are, you never lose faith in the path it takes to get you where you want to go. Because this, I know for sure, who you're meant to be evolves from where you are right now. So learning to appreciate your lessons, mistakes, and setbacks as stepping stones to the future is a clear sign you are moving in the right direction. During difficult times, I often turn to a gospel song called Stand. In it, songwriter Donnie McClurkin sings, What do you do when you've done all you can and it seems like it's never enough? What do you give when you've given your all and it seems like you can't make it through? The answer lies in McClurkin's simple refrain, You just stand. That's where strength comes from. Our ability to face resistance and walk through it. It's not that people who persevere don't ever feel doubt, fear, and exhaustion. They do. But in the toughest moments, we can have faith that if we take just one step more than we feel we're capable of, if we draw on the incredible resolve every human being possesses, we will learn some of the most profound lessons life has to offer. What I know for sure is that there is no strength without challenge, adversity, resistance, and often pain. The problems that make you want to throw up your hands and holler, mercy, will build your tenacity, courage, discipline, and determination. I've learned to rely on the strength I inherited from all those who came before me the grandmothers, sisters, aunts, brothers, who were tested with unimaginable hardships and still survived. I go forth alone and stand as 10,000, Maya Angelou proclaimed in her poem, Our Grandmothers. When I move through the world, I bring all my history with me. All the people who paved the way for me are part of who I am. Think back for a moment on your own history, not just where you were born or where you grew up, but the circumstances that contributed to your being right here, right now. What were the moments along the way that wounded or scared you? Chances are you've had a few, but here's what is remarkable. You are still here, still standing. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.